it's my pleasure uh, to be leading our devotion tonight. Um, if you guys don't know me, and, and I don't know you, my name is Daniel Keene, uh, and my wife uh, Heather and I have been members here at UBC for, I think, uh, coming up on three years here. Um, and uh, man, being a, being a part of this church has been uh, just a tremendous blessing on our lives, and um, we just have uh, just so many sweet memories and um, so many great friendships with, with many of y'all. And, um, and just a personal news, um, because it's on my mind, is uh, last night we found out that we're having a baby girl. Um, and so you can be praying for that. That's right. Um, and uh, coming May, May 10th is the due date. So uh, please be praying for us uh, as we go through that um, and, and wait uh, for, the, for the coming child. So um, you guys can turn to Revelation 6.10. It's our passage uh, tonight. Uh, and it's also in the bulletin, so you can use that. But, um, <clears throat> but um, as uh, you turn there and as, as you get ready, um, I'd love to just give some context. It's the book of Revelation. Uh, it is the last uh, book of the Bible, both uh, in chronological order uh, and in canonical order, meaning it is the last book you'll find in your Bible. It's also the last book that was given to the church. Uh, and it was given... In a timely way, it was given to a church that was suffering persecution uh, on many fronts. Um, and, and over a millennium, uh, the, the book has been rightfully used, I think, as God intended it for the church, as an encouragement uh, to the church to persevere amidst suffering. <clears throat> and so from, from Nero to, to Queen Mary and, and here to 2020, uh, this book continues to, to be a uh, uh, encouragement to, to, to Christ's body, um, and uh, that theme kind of fits as well with our passage here today. So let's, uh, let's read the passage that we'll be talking about. This is Revelation 6.10. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you'll judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? Let's pray real quick. Lord, we, uh, God, we come to your word and we ask for uh, just open ears, open eyes to see your truth. Lord, we ask for uh, hearts that are receptive of this word, Lord, fertile soil to, to receive the seed of your word. And Lord, we ask that we would uh, receive it with faith and repentance and, and joy amidst our time. We pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. So I think the meaning of our passage uh, is simply that the church longs for the justice of God. Another way to put it uh, is that the church laments the injustice of the world. And I think uh, as we come to this passage, I think God has uh, for us an encouragement uh, to lament with these martyrs that are speaking in our passage, how long, O Lord, to lament the fallen world. Like uh, Trey mentioned in our passage in Psalm 13, uh, it would be wrong to come to God uh, with accusations of, uh, of, uh, of, of wavering in his faithfulness and in our, amidst our suffering. There's a, there's a major difference between uh, coming to God and complaining to him versus complaining at God. And similar to, to Psalm 13 as well here, uh, this scene that's taking place with these martyrs, this question that's being posed to God is, is, is taking place in heaven as, as we are in Revelation. 
Uh, and in, in fact, this, this would not, of course, be a sin uh, for these martyrs, this question that they're posing to God. And if anything, uh, this question that's being posed is, is the opposite. It's a, it's a, worshipful, uh, a worshipful lament uh, and trust of God. Brothers and sisters, uh, church, our God is sovereign and he is true, as the martyrs say. As slow as Christ feels and is coming, uh, you can trust him. His word is trustworthy and he's fully capable in his sovereignty to carry out his promises to us. And I think for us this time, uh, we're to be comforted in the fact, in this fact, that God is faithful and he will return and he will establish his justice on earth. Trey mentioned uh, that for David uh, in Psalm 13, he, he looked back in his life at God's faithfulness, uh, whether it was with uh, his running from Saul and, and Absalom and his difficulties. He saw God's faithfulness in his life and he used that uh, as he looked forward uh, with faith to, to the coming faithfulness of God in his life. And this is similar, uh, I think, to what God has for us as well. That we're to look back at the, at the faithfulness of God, and specifically with Christ at the cross, to look to the future, to look to the hope that we have, uh, the security that we have in that coming promise of, of God's return uh, to bring us back to him. Uh, but this time when he comes, it will not be the same as the last time. This time when he comes, he'll come as a judge. For Christians, this is a tremendous truth for us, an incredible comfort for us. Church, Christ's coming is absolutely good news to us. His coming means us being declared righteous and being reunited with him. And that face that David longed to see that he felt was distant from him in Psalm 13, that Trey mentioned as well, is a face that we will behold in Christ's return. There will be no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more isolation, but only joy for us. But for, for those who are here who maybe wouldn't call yourself a Christian or maybe you would call yourself a Christian just by nature of, of being born in this, probably the southern United States, uh, but live a life of unrepentant sin. And maybe, maybe that means that you, you sin, you feel some sorrow over your sin, but there's, there's no genuine repentance. There's only continued sin and continued patterns of, of, of disobedience to God. Recognize, just for a moment, the mercy of God that's being displayed on your life. Recognize that the reason that this cry that the church has and the lament that we have for the situation that we're in right now is simply because God loves you and is patient for your repentance. Out of love for you and out of love for his church, he's patient to delay his coming, to see you turn to him in repentance and faith. But there's coming a day when that patience will, will run dry and his mercy will be no more and his church will be complete. He'll return and he will act on his word. The Bible says uh, that for us, uh, we are on the wrong side of God's justice in our birth. And so we ask questions about, um, about suffering and, and why doesn't God rid the world of suffering? And 
And the problem simply is us. We are the problem. And if God were to rid the world of suffering, he would do so and he would rid the world of us. But in his patience and in his wisdom, he has made a way for us to be both just, for him to be just, and for us to be justified in his establishing of justice. And that is, of course, through Christ. That on the basis of Christ's righteousness, God can be just and just in the justifier of us and uniting and establishing justice in such a way that we can be united to him and not separated from him. And so this, this repentance that Christ holds out for us is uh, something that I want for you and, and something that clearly uh, Christ wants for you as well. Well, sovereign Lord, how holy and true, how long until you return. As, as I was reflecting on the passage uh, this week, I was kind of struck and felt a little uncomfortable about it um, because I, I didn't really identify with the passage too much. And I think maybe uh, many of y'all can sympathize with me in that. Uh, when I think about my life and the, the work that I spend hours long uh, trying to minimize suffering in my life, uh, I, I d- deeply desire not to have to lament uh, the condition of the world today. But I think, uh, I think that's not what God has for us in this passage. As he gives us a window into the martyrs, into the church in heaven, crying out to lament of the fallen nature of the world, I think we're to, to be united in that lament. And one of the amazing things about our passage as... Uh, as we see that, is that God actually answers the question to, to the martyrs here. And in Revelation 6.11, we read, Then they were given, each given, white robes and told to rest a little longer until the number of their servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. God's answer to this cry and to this lament that we're to, I think, identify with is, as simple as it seems, just a little longer. Just a little longer. Because on the other side of that, that time stands a tremendous joy. Tremendous joys. Wonderful eternity with Christ, beholding his face. Having our tears wiped away. Suffering, no more. Coronavirus, uh, no more for us. And we're promised an eternal weight of glory following this life. Guys, our, 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 uh, our Christ, our God, he is sovereign, he is holy, and he is true. He will come for his bride, and he will establish his justice. We just have a little longer. Let's pray. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, we, we ask... Uh, how long until you restore justice on earth? Lord, how long until you come for us? How long until you establish your throne on earth? Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes of faith to trust you, to trust your faithfulness and your promises. Lord, we ask that we would persevere amid suffering for your glory and for your name. And Lord, we look to the day in which we'll be reunited with you 
will be brought into your presence. Lord, we will worship and enjoy you forever as a church, Lord, as we see later in Revelation that we will be gathered together in one great gathering, one great assembly, and we will worship and praise you for all eternity. We pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen.